This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. I'm Joe Mazzi, and welcome to Boston Uncommon, a unique, in-depth look at notable Bostonians, their passions, roadmap to success, and what makes them uncommonly Boston. Please take a moment to like, rate, comment, subscribe, share, tell a friend, please. Also, a reminder that we now have Boston Uncommon merchandise available, sweatshirts, hats, mugs, and my personal favorite, the visor. Check it out at BigNightShop.com under the section Big Night Media. Today, I'm joined by the former creative service director from WBCN, FNX, and the Boston Phoenix, a curator, a collector, an archivist, and president of the David Bieber Archives. Please welcome David Bieber. Great to be here. Great to uh, be able to talk to you and share uh, my artifacts and my history with you. Thank you. Well, I I personally had the pleasure of touring your archives at the uh, Norwood Space Center. Beautiful facility. And what an incredible trip down memory lane of all things imaginable. Just an endless amount of history, of fun. Uh, I guess my first question is, when did you start collecting memorabilia? Well, it probably goes back to childhood, uh, <laughs> typical type of, uh, you know, boy collections, uh, the baseball cards, the comic books, the marbles. But, you know, the first conscious uh, collecting that I did, um, my father uh, was temporarily, uh, he was a dentist and he was in the Air Force stationed in Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, originally uh, and ultimately I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. But uh, we were doing a road trip from Cleveland to Montgomery. And as we stopped at gas stations along the way, uh, I was fascinated by uh, the soda machines where uh, people would open their soda and the bottle caps would stay behind a little container. And I was fascinated by the colors and the designs because they had all these different regional brands that I had never seen in Cleveland. I started collecting those. I was probably about three, four years old, and I was off to the races. There it is. And your, your space is so large and so vast. Could you, like, guesstimate how many pieces of pop culture you have in there? Well, I probably don't have enough fingers to count it all, but uh, it, the, the range is anywhere from a million and a quarter to a million and a half wow. pieces. Uh, and I think just uh, as a point of explanation, sure. just because I've been in the media in Boston for, well, I was at, I was at BCN for yep. 16 years, and I was at the Phoenix and, FN, and WFNX for 19. But, um, you know, having access to so much content, uh, people think that it's mainly music and mainly Boston centric but in reality I have so many different categories I enjoy sports I enjoy religion politics food and certainly you know the core of it is music and media and pop culture uh, probably 125,000 albums uh, but I like to make a story of the connectivity of everything that's in our world and how one thing relates to another so nothing is off limits in terms of the collection books newspapers magazines calendars um baseball bats uh you know and certainly you know uh all the great creative uh marketing tools that the record companies and the movie companies and the book publishers have uh used through the decades to try and bust their products out of the pack now crazy question it might be tough to answer is there a piece that comes to mind that is like your favorite or is it like one of those things where you know it's like saying which one is your favorite child (laughs) is there one piece in your collection that you're Um, like i'm so glad i have this well there's Certainly one piece that goes back uh, to the early days of Beatlemania. Uh, I was going to school at Miami University in Oxford. I uh, had a girlfriend in Cincinnati. 
and would go down there periodically. And when the first uh, Capitol album, uh, Meet the Beatles, came out, uh, there was a great window display. You know, the Beatles were known for flopping their hair and moving their heads and the girls screaming at all that. And there was a window display in a record store that had the Beatles' uh, heads on a motorized, uh, you know, stand-up. And I asked the store owner, could I have that when you're through with it? And he said to me, you can have it now because they're sending me another one. This one is defective. And apparently what happened, there were two heads of George and none of John. So I have that and uh, I'm delighted to have something like that, which is a rare and unique item. And and you were talking about showings and things like that. I know at the Averb Hotel, you've had numerous displays there when certain uh, uh, curations come through that you kind of swap it out at the Hotel, and also at the Wang, if I'm not mistaken. Right, yeah. right. I mean, that's been uh, after uh, WFNX was sold in 2012 and the Phoenix was closed down in 2013, I worked with Stephen Mindich, who was the owner and the publisher, uh, on transferring the archives from the probably a dozen companies from the Phoenix Media uh, Communications Group to Northeastern University. And in doing that, you know, kind of got uh, a little bit of a lesson in, uh, you know, kind of more formal archival and curatorial activities. Uh, but uh, my, my great gift from Stephen was introducing me to Steve Samuels, uh, the owner of the Verb Hotel and many of the properties in the Fenway. Mm. And it was really the hand of God from the side of the stage that, you know, I had no idea that this was going to be my second act. Uh, and I uh, completed the first five-year cycle with the Verb, uh, and I'm now in my seventh year Amazing. with uh, and, and just uh, having all the artifacts in the lobby and in the corridors and we started out as a celebration of the music and uh, the media and the pop culture that had come out of the Fenway and then the greater Boston area. And now we've moved up into the individual rooms. And, of course, there's a dedicated Aerosmith room and there's right. a Cars room. But we also have a Queen room and a Led Zeppelin room and a U2 room. And there's also a 60-linear-foot uh, uh, glass cabinet for display. And sadly, when there's a notable death in the you know cultural community, like a David Bowie or a Prince, then we can do a pop-up with right. my artifacts and you know do all the you know uh, items that I have from my collection. But we're also celebrating things like different decades, the 80s, the 90s. Uh, we did recently a memorial for Michael Stanley, who was a Cleveland musician, yeah. uh, a friend of Steve Samuels. And when he passed, that was on the outdoor um, marquee of the Verb and also uh, in the glass cabinet. And between Steve's collection and mine, we really did a great uh, tribute to the career of Michael Stanley. But, you know, that's uh, I've been working with Joe Spaulding at, yes. at the Wang and, mm -hmm. and uh, the Schubert Theater uh, under the collective title of the Bach. Uh, family uh, center and uh, there's a folk uh, and Americana and Roots uh, Hall of Fame that is going to use the entire Wang as wow. a canvas wow. uh, so we've already done the lower level it's a beautiful building and when I say lower level it's you know just you know so tastefully done and so well planned out that you know it was kind of a vacant space but we're using it for events and uh, celebrations of acts who have uh, be, you know when before the pandemic came we were uh, doing uh, uh, kind of pop-ups uh, we did one 
one where uh, Joan Baez was doing her nice. farewell tour. Yep. Uh, so we had a Joan Baez display. Ringo was, he's not really folk Americana and, <laughs> and, uh, and roots, but none, yeah, well, he does some country things and he does some traditional things. But we've got some, some great images of Ringo looking at the Beatles and Ringo star display that we Very set cool. up for him. And uh, hopefully when uh, the gates open again, we're going to be active and uh, I did uh, a great um, uh, there's a great venue up in uh, Beverly the Cabot Theater, oh, the Cabot Theater working yeah. with Casey Sward uh, we did a celebration two years ago of uh, the year 1969 and you know we played off of events that were happening there obviously they showed you know 50th anniversary of Woodstock the movie but they also had David Crosby in and oh, we wow. heavied up with Crosby material and you know we celebrated uh Oh, the moon landing. We had a had a great newspaper from Nova Scotia that said in red type, World War Three declared size, Earthlings on the moon. And, uh, you know, we celebrated, you know, for better or worse, Altamont and Chappaquiddick and uh, everything that happened in that eventful year. Yeah, so, it's such a great year. Too. Yeah. So that's em- emblematic of what we can draw from and what we can uh, make work and do installations and exhibits. Uh, you know, if you were to throw a dart at uh, any topic, I think we'd <laughs> be, we'd be able to fulfill it. Yeah. That's great. Now, I remember when I was on the tour and it really st- stuck out in my memory was that we were walking by this display and I saw some memorabilia from uh, Miles Connor and my good friend Al Dotley. There was a photo of Miles and Al that you had displayed and I, and I just saw the documentary on Netflix of um, the robbery. Uh, this is a robbery, excuse me. And I was just wondering now. And you don't have to answer this. <laughs> Do by chance are the paintings in your archive, David? Uh, if they I'm are, kidding, of if, course. If, if they are, they're in a box I haven't opened yet. Yeah, I, I still, I, I, when when I moved into the Norwood Space Center about three and a half years ago, uh, it was uh, twelve and a half tractor trailers and eighty five hundred boxes. So it's been a labor of love, no question. <laughs> that I've been uh, uh, and working with a great crew of people. Uh, you know, person that I call the vice president. President of Logistics Chuck White and a He's great, de- you know, great designer Lance Salemo and Jeannie Smith and Steve Ferrar, uh, just and you know Peter Casperson who handles some of the business activities. It's it's been you know a great interconnecting of people who are like minded, you know, yeah. who uh, understand what our missions are, and I have great you know, faith and trust in, uh, them representing all the contents that we have. And we've been, uh, just on a, on a, on a great adventure, not having an absolute roadmap because, you know, we're not following a Dewey decimal system of trying to organize, you know, things, you know, uh, following absolute protocols of a librarian or a curator, but, you know, it's helpful to know how they do it professionally, uh, and I think Northeastern is doing it with the white glove treatment and the data entry point of everything that goes into the system. Eventually, we'll get there because we want everything that we have to be retrievable. Right. You know, it, it, and that's happening. Yeah. But I'd say I'm still a year or two away from okay. you know complete fulfillment of opening all the boxes. Uh, all, for example, all the albums are out of boxes now. So 125,000 on shelves, uh, but not the micromanagement. So all the A's are together, but we don't 
don't have A, B, A, C, A, D, <laughs> a, you know. So that will come. But, you know, categorically, you know, the music is separated from the spoken word and from the classical and uh, from the soundtracks and from the original Broadway cast and the radio shows and the TV themes. But, you know, it's something that uh, we take great delight in getting dirt under our nails and really, you know, doing a deep dive into uh, the far end of the pool. All right, cool. So it's time for our first segment, David. And uh, I'm just going to ask you some questions. It's this or that segment. You decide what you like best. Nothing too difficult here. Uh, cats or dogs? Uh, I've had both, but more recently, cats. All right. Uh, Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Um, that's tough. That is so tough. You know, that's right. that's <laughs> what do I say? What do I say? D D Dave Clark five. No, uh, no. I mean, basically, basically I would say I'd love the Rolling Stones, you know, the London slash, you know, in England Decca records period, but it's, it's hard to argue against the early Beatles, Beatles because, true. you know, I was, I was not one of those screaming girls, but I was one of those, uh, you know, delightful boys. <laughs> What's your favorite flavor ice cream? Um, currently I've been enjoying, uh, the bar, the, the Haagen-Dazs bars, uh, with the vanilla ice cream and the, the chocolate almond exterior. Ooh, that sounds delicious. What was, what was David's first concert? Uh, the first concert was, um, junior high, uh, DJ, a Cleveland DJ brought the Everly Brothers to an assembly. Yeah, and that's so cool. that's it's uh, almost close to uh, you know I mean the, the Everlys were <laughs> yeah. uh, you know influenced the Beatles a bit you yep. know not quite as much as uh, say Buddy Holly but uh, you know they were and and I think one of the one of the brothers is still alive I think he's he's in his eighties now okay and uh, who plays David Bieber in the movie adaptation of David Bieber story. Uh, <laughs> well, recently I've seen a real, little bit of a rekindling of the career of uh, the singer Tom Jones. So oh, okay. put him put I him like in that. that in that category. And in terms of uh, of uh, strict looks, um, right now there's the New York photographer <laughs> uh, Bob Gruen, uh, who looks a bit like I don't know if he can act or not, but right. I've, I've been mistaken for him. Okay, uh, one place you'd like to visit but you haven't yet. Uh, other than my archives? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Uh, I'd probably like to go to uh, Lithuania, oh. which was, uh, if if you believe the ever-shifting borders, that maybe is where my uh, family was from. My mother was actually from Odessa. My father was born in Cleveland, but he was the first member of the family, uh, my grandparents, uh, to be born in America. So I'd be curious to see uh, if Lithuania was really where I came from. And now a word from our sponsor. Going to take a quick break here to thank our friends at Manscaped. Flowers are blooming, the grass is growing, and it's time to chop those weeds. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim your hole safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers here. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. They have an exclusive offer just for you. Use the code BIGNIGHT to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who have trusted Manscaped. They are here to make sure you are trimmed and smelling so nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. And now back to our conversation with David Bieber. Let's chat about your uh, creative service days at BCN and FNX and some of your fondest memories there. 
certainly one of the you know kind of lasting institutions that I was involved with was the creation of the uh, WBCN Rock and Roll Rumble. Mm. Uh, I remember sitting around with Eddie Gordetsky, who was a uh, a uh, significant writer, director, producer in Hollywood now. He created the show Mom. He worked on Two and a Half Men and uh, Mike and Molly and various other Chuck Lorre productions. But uh, Eddie and I came up with the name and the concept of it. Uh, it was based on the Link Race instrumental song, Rumble. And, um, you know, that was uh, the first one was at the uh, In Square Men's Bar, parentheses, <laughs> Ladies Invited. And we created it as a, you know, not meant so much to be a competition, but a fun event that celebrated local music mm. and uh, worked with Marshall Simpkins, the owner of the In Square, who I just saw about a week ago. Oh, no and uh, he and his wife, Gwen, are developers in Somerville. But uh, and we worked with Dean Johnson, who was writing for Sweet That's Potato right. at the time. That's right, Dean. And Dean uh, later was the uh, <laughs> Boston Herald. Yeah, Boston Herald yeah. comedy and music writer. And um, I think one of the big issues of the economic responsibility when we created the Rumble was, you know, was it going to be BCN or the In Square or Sweet Potato that was going to pay for the pencils for the judges <laughs> to uh, do their ratings? Uh, so, but, you know, Angel Wood has, uh, in a uh, yeoman task, kept uh, the Rumble going. Yeah. Uh, for several years, she had it at once ballroom in Somerville that J.J. Gonson runs. And uh, I think that, you know, when the pandemic uh, shutdown uh, uh, ends, that I think the Rumble, which is now well into its 40-plus uh, years yeah, existence, right. yeah, it's crazy. you know, it's really great to know that uh, there's such an active Boston local music community that every year 24 bands mm. can, re, uh, you know, constitute the local scene. You yeah. know, that was, that was one of the conditions. So that every year that we did the Rumble, if you'd played previously, you know, you couldn't do it again. You, maybe if you were in a new band or if you were solo, you could re-engage. Right. But as we were talking a little earlier, you know, we did the, uh, the blood drive, the yeah. rock, rock and roll up your sleeve, yeah, cool. raised, yeah. you know, over the course of time, thousands of uh, pints of blood. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there was one year that we actually uh, bought out the Worcester Centrum and gave away all the tickets to an Aerosmith show. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, those were such incredible halcyon days of yeah. Boston radio where uh, one ratings period, BCN would truly be the number one station in town. Maybe another one, Kiss 108, would be the number one. <laughs> yep. But, uh, you know, Kiss is clearly the last station standing still, you know, when it comes still to there. music. Although I love... The left-hand side of the dial, still, you know, with all the local college yep. uh, stations, you know, and they're Anderson, not. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, and and certainly uh, uh, WUMB and yep. WMBR and yep. WZBC, you know, yep. the, the MIT and Boston College sure. and UMass Boston do a terrific job, you know, and obviously with no commercial interruptions, you know, they may beat you up periodically for, uh, you know, uh, a little, uh, you know, financial support. But uh, realistically, you know, the diversity of the music content on those stations is pretty wonderful and should be appreciated in the city. Yeah. And, and speaking of BCN, I remember seeing that you've kind of heavily involved in the uh, BCN, the American Revolution documentary, no? Right. Yeah. I was. I, I contributed probably either as a photographer or flat surface artifacts, probably uh, 
uh, close to 40 or 50 items. Uh, uh, I was, you know, back in that period, just a fan of the station, but uh, I was getting my master's thesis at Boston University. So I was uh, writing about the underground media at the time, which was underground radio and film and the underground press. And Boston was a real uh, stronghold for all of that kind of content. And I was very fortunate that uh, a lot of the articles that I wrote became chapters in my thesis and uh, wrote a number of articles about BCN uh, for Boston Magazine and Billboard and uh, Boston After Dark and yep. Fusion, which was the East Coast counterpart to Rolling Stone, and uh, took pictures. And so, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the pictures of a group of the announcers is the... Uh, anchor photo for the poster and various merch that's being used in the film and because I was you know called I guess uh, arbitrarily <laughs> WBCN historian I I wasn't working for that uh, during that period for the station uh, I started at BCN in 78 and the film <laughs> the film covers 68 to 74 wild but you know I do provide some commentary about uh, what was going on you know I've got some uh, Boston Tea Party posters that show uh, the magnificence of the acts that could play a 1300 capacity venue uh, you know, that you'd get three nights of uh, Led Zeppelin <laughs> yeah, right. with Ross on Roland Kirk opening and then two nights with The Who and the Allman Brothers Just opening crazy. for the Velvet Underground. <laughs> and, you know, the the ticket prices were 350 and 450 And I, I have to remind people that there's a decimal point in there that it's not $350, no. it's $3.50. Right. And, um, you know, because, <laughs> you know, when, when uh, Led Zeppelin did some faux reunion in about... A dozen years or so ago, uh, I don't remember what the ticket prices were, but I know that there were 20 million requests for tickets for uh, a couple of shows over at the O2 in uh, in London. In London, yeah. And uh, you know, uh, it's it's not uncommon, you know, that the on the last Rolling Stones tour, I think the face value of the tickets was 949 dollars. Yeah. So Depending and then the sit, aftermarket right? steps on that at least by a factor of one. So <laughs> you're into heavy four four figures. Yep. Yeah. So we're up to our next segment here. It's a pet peeve segment, Dave. So, um, you know, what are some of David Bieber's biggest pet peeves? And while you're thinking, I can throw a few at you. Um, you know, mine was refusing to wear a mask during the pandemic, driving slow in the left-hand lane always drives me crazy. I have young girls cleaning up after yourself always drives me crazy as well. <laughs> <laughs> what are your, some of your biggest pet peeves? Uh, I kind of roll with a lot of things. I, <laughs> I, I don't get too angry, you know, but when I get angry, I explode. Uh, but, you know, just things that are nuisances. Um, I, I would say uh, the people for decades that would say to me, what are you going to do with all that stuff? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's meant to be, you know, a, a question of curiosity, but I treat it as kind of almost rhetorical. You know, it's like, and truly for, for a long period of time when everything was in um, industrial storage and uh, 40 or 50 boxes would be uh, uh, packed away and shrink wrapped uh, and, uh, you know, they, they'd uh, be lifted by, uh, uh, by a forklift and, and put on industrial shelving. And I couldn't answer the question, what am I going to do with all that stuff? Because they weren't, uh, everything was unavailable to me. But I've had people who've come up to the archives. At, you know, they've said things like, 
not only what are you going to do with all of it, but I can at least now provide an answer that I do these exhibits and installations right. and put it out for other media purposes. Um, but, you know, the people who say, oh, my wife would never let me keep that stuff. You know, it's like, okay, that's good for you and you and your wife. But, uh, you know, <laughs> for me, for you, you know, I finally, you know, have a, a validation and a justification for what I've done for all these all these decades. And really, the thing that's given me the greatest pleasure is to put these things out in the sunshine, share it with people, you know, to reacquaint people, have people over there. I can say to them, you know, with utter confidence that your DNA is probably on some of these items, you know, that um, uh, so many people have given me donations. Uh, I'm very open and receptive to uh, building the collection. Mm -hmm. I don't sell anything, but I do acquire, and I'm happy to take uh, you know contributions from people who are deassessing things from them uh, from their homes or uh, whatever their careers are. Uh, you know, variety of people uh, continue to provide me with content. Mary Mena, great friend. Yes, you know, you I know, know Mary Mena very well. Probably worked with her <laughs> She's at Kiss. The best, absolutely. And you know, she has been. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, she was uh, actually my second assistant at BCN. No yeah, way. My, she was fresh out of Boston College. <laughs> and my first assistant was the aforementioned Eddie Gordetsky. Uh, my second assistant was Mary Mena. Mena. Oh. And my third was Chachi Lopret. Unbelievable. All three, all three of them went on to exceed me. So uh, I, I picked well, and they did uh, great uh, justice to uh, my selection. That's so true. Um, so you mentioned that you you accept don uh, you accept items in memorabilia in, but do you also accept at the archive or the website or social media? Do you accept monetary donations to kind of help fund oh, the God. process? <laughs> well, that's the universal yeah, green. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, it, I'm I am a so-called for-profit, but you know my desire is. If I can break even, you know, by keeping the lights on and paying the rent and, uh, you know, paying the staff, that that gives me, uh, you know, great fulfillment and momentum to go forward. But if uh, uh, if if somebody's out there and wants to nominate me for a MacArthur <laughs> Fellowship, I'm a fair game for that. And, uh, and how do they do that? Where do they go? Uh, it's uh, the David Bieber archives uh you can go to uh you could google can, you know yeah. google that uh you can reach me directly at david at david dot com and uh it's really funny that uh there's there's such a um a great community uh response uh about a year or so ago uh there was a segment produced uh uh, by Clint Conley uh, from uh, Mission of Burma, but yeah. he's also yeah, a segment yeah. producer for Chronicle at oh. uh, WCVB. I've seen you on Chronicle. Yeah, yeah. and he came, he came out and he produced a segment and uh, they've you know aired it uh, three other times. Uh, and every time that it airs, I get this great feedback, not only for people who are seeing it for the first time, but people who see the archives and it's a great like four minute uh, you know produced piece. And people say, you know, can I contribute? Can I donate? Can right. I give you, you know, Something. these things? Because yeah. they can see the the spectrum of the content, and that, you know, jo uh, you know, gives them a kind of inspiration. Because I tell people, I've got a twenty year lease at the Norwood Space Center. It's a great place, Beautiful. and I've got ten thousand square feet. I've got the room to grow. 
and I've got the categories established, and you will have perpetual visiting rights to your things. <laughs> you know, I I don't want to see anything wind up in a landfill. Right. I want these <laughs> things want to be saved. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, David, this has been a real pleasure uh, chatting, and, and we're up against it. And a kind of final segment here, um, just ask you a random question. There's no right or wrong answer. So uh, here goes. They create a new position. You, David Bieber, is the overlord of the United States of America. The president reports to you. The Senate reports to you. Congress reports to you. Uh, and the president comes to you one day and says, David, we have a problem. We have to get rid of one state in the union. Which one do we get rid of and why? And there's no right or wrong answer. Keep that in mind. <laughs> well, you definitely won't. Even though people have, uh, you know, various opinions of Ohio, I wouldn't get rid of Ohio because I do have yeah. anchor and roots there, uh, and not Alabama. Although I have a mixed emotions about that, but I was certainly born there. Uh, I I don't like a lot of what's going on in Florida yeah, right now. Weird, so, yeah. uh, you know, cut that loose. All right. Sorry, Florida. No more oranges. <laughs> we'll have to get them we'll from get California. We'll get to California. Yeah, yeah there you right. go. Uh, but, David, uh, final question. Uh, what makes you uniquely, uncommonly Boston? Well, just the fact that I've been here as long as I have and, you know, cultivated so many great relationships with people and places and things and uh, I, I think that the, the great transcending of the institutions where I worked are the people that I've got to know along the way. And, uh, you know, that it's not just a one or a two or a five-year relationship that, you know, we are truly, you know, kind of a large family. I, I, when I think about that uh, Boston Strong concert and the aftermath of the marathon bombings that, held, that was held at the, uh, at the Boston Garden and to see the coalescing of people and performers and reunions uh those are the kinds of things that really are very inspiring and uh just you know the way people have been so malleable through the years that you know as media has changed as music has changed we're all still kind of interconnected and uh as i told you when you came out to the archives you know that we have probably so many shared reference people and places and events we had not formally met no. until a couple months ago right. uh but now we connect the dots of our own history and you know <laughs> totally believe that we have you know been breathing the same air at so same many space, events yeah. and so many rooms <laughs> and you know and we're still standing we're still moving forward right. and you know i i have all all this great content that I want to share with people that's a reflection of the times that we have lived in. So I think that that's, you know, uh, like I said at the beginning, maybe I'm not specifically Boston-centric, but the nucleus of what I have is very much Boston. Perfect. I think that's an excellent way to end it right there, David. Thank excellent. you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 